welcome to a new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. It's actually been a while since we've done a recruiting episode. It's one we've covered a few times, and I think it's always, always valuable information that we end up sharing and probably one of our more popular topics that we've covered. So guess what? We're covering recruiting and interviewing again, which is awesome. In this episode, we are joined by Taylor and Jono to talk with us about recruiting and really how it's changed over the past couple of years. Reminder, we are still somewhat in a pandemic and things have changed. Taylor and Jono, can you give brief introductions of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is. Okay, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll lead it off. Uh, John O'Grayson, I've been in recruiting for about 12 years, 11 years, God, that makes me feel old. Um, and uh, I, I started off in the agency world, uh, worked at a staffing agency for about five and a half years. I've always been in the tech space and focused on, I guess like a, a handful of skill sets: engineers, product managers, designers, even like help desks and desktop support folks too. And then yeah, about five and a half years into the career, I was like, you know what, I gotta go in-house. Uh, for different reasons, we can talk about that, uh, you know, later on the podcast, got a, got a chance to work at Apple, work at Hulu. I've worked at Lyft and, and now at Netflix. Happy to be here. Thanks right. for having me. Thanks for coming. Taylor. Um, yeah, I'm just super stoked that John is here. Cause I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I've always wanted to talk to more recruiters, um, and, and, and recruiters that get <laughs> it. And I bet even backstage before, you know, we, we set this thing live quote unquote, I can tell this to tell Jono gets it. So I'm super excited for this conversation, but, um, my name is Taylor Destin. I'm based in glorious Nashville, Tennessee, music city central. Um, even though I hate, uh, country music. So we're not talking about that. And so basically, uh, I've been recruiting for 10 years, going on 11 this year. So Jono and I, we got some years behind us. And, uh, and basically, I, I focus on engineering recruiting. I've been focused on, focused on engineering recruiting now for seven, eight years. My tagline is like, I think I've met over 5,000 developers now at this point in my career. I lead a, a remote engineering division here out of the national office um, where I help with clients across the country from startups to, you know, you know, enterprise clients, um, staff up, you know, high powered engineering teams, and then really big on content. I have to do a shameless self plug. I have a morning show guidance counselor 2.0. I've had Jem and Ryan. I'm going to have Jono now, um, on it. And, uh, so I do that to really help give back to people because I think what we're going to talk about today, I think this topic is incredibly important. No one wants to talk about it. People don't know how to, how to really talk about it and, and, and have an organic conversation. So, um, you know, incredibly thrilled to be here with you guys. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining. And I don't think either of you answered, but your favorite happy hour beverage. Shit, no, I forgot. So I'm drinking coffee right now, but I have to say this decaf, by the way, it's 415 Central. If I drank caffeinated, I would come hunt you all down um, in California. Um, but basically, mine is like, I, I'm a big wine guy. I'm not a snobby wine guy, but I do love some wine. Um, specifically, anything from Austria. If you like whites or if you want to try white wines, Austrian whites are fantastic. I would agree. I feel like I've had a few Austrian whites. And I don't even like white so wine good. that much. So, so good. All right. I got to try some Austrian whites. I, uh, Taylor, I'll take you up on that. Uh, I would say my, my beverage of choice would be gin and tonic, specifically Hendrix and tonic. Nice. Oh, right yeah. now, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking a LaCroix, but that's usually happy. So, John, I'm going to get your address, and, and, and I'm going to send it. I am going to send this. You can hold me to it. There is a gin out of South Carolina called hat trick gin it is uh it's like made with more lemons and oranges Ooh. and it is the best gin i've ever had so Ooh. i'm gonna i promise you i'm gonna send it to you and i think that will become your favorite taylor did we just that's become a, best friends a, 
<laughs> yep, hundred percent. It's also a bribe so that you join yeah, him on his show. It's also a bribe, but touche. We are also I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Well, and let's also give introductions of panelists today. I mean, Jem, it's you and I, but start it off. Jem Young, engineering manager at Netflix. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Compensation. Compensation, which I mean, when any time we're talking about recruiting, jobs, interviewing, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes, it will definitely get to that. So I'm sure compensation will come up many times. Let's hop in. I mean... I I alluded in the intro that like things have changed, right? Recruiting has definitely changed. And I would love to hear all of your thoughts on what has changed in the past two years. Like how have people had to adapt? I'm just fascinated with what John is going to say. So man, you go first. (laughs) Cause I'm I'm honestly fascinated with what you're going to say. Man, I feel like Taylor, like you're, you're building me up and I feel like all I'm going to do is I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to disappoint listeners. But I guess a, a couple of things that I've noticed over the past couple of years. So one of my teammates actually here at Netflix, she shared this article uh, a few months ago. And I think the biggest change over the past years in recruiting is like the competitive landscape. In the article that she shared, it was actually, this is the first time ever that there's more recruiting jobs available in the market than there are software engineering roles. And this was a stat on LinkedIn. And I actually had to, I pulled it up because I didn't know if maybe Taylor was going to call me on this. But I think it's so right now it says worldwide, as of August, there were 364,000 recruiter jobs on LinkedIn relative to 342,000 software engineering roles. Wow. So I think you, you've seen this just like crazy shift in demand for recruiters. Obviously, I'm sure agencies are, are, are getting blown up too, but I never thought that I would hear that, right? I think I, I mentioned I've been in the recruiting space for 12 years and I've always wanted to be an engineer. Like, God, they're so in demand. Right. Like if I could just get, if I get, if I can go back and do it all over again, get a CS degree, uh, I would be an engineer, but it was, it was incredible to see that stat. So that's the first piece. I would say that the other piece I was talking to somebody from, uh, this is actually a candidate for our talent intelligence team. And I was asking them about, you know, just the market and, and how hot it is. And he asked the question, he was like, Hey, you know, us in the analyst space, we've been asking the question, where did everybody go? And he said that there's three like significant shifts that have caused this like uh, supply and demand issue in the talent space. He said, one, there's this hyper acceleration of baby boomers that are retiring. Mm. He said uh, previously it was about 2 million per year. Now it's about 3 million per year, something like that. Or my, I forget what the cadence was. The other piece is Gen Z where I shouldn't say we, cause I'm a millennial, not Gen Z, but Gen Z, they're not coming into the workforce at the same rate as other generations. And actually, and then the third piece, he said it was actually the under replacement rates of birth rates. He said, we've been, we've been on that pace for like 50 or 60 years. So there's a lot of, a lot of forces out there working against us. I'm so glad you went first. Wow. Cause that was so methodical and so kind. And I'm just going to say shit's lit. I mean, like, like, like nothing, <laughs> nothing eloquent whatsoever. Shit's off the chain. But, uh, and also I saw that we can curse on this, which is great. My mom watches my live show, so I can't curse that much. That's good but, to know. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, Lord, where to start? You know, I saw that stat the other, not that stat, but like somebody posted the other day that like recruiters are more, or recruiters are, should be more demanded developers. I think talents at all time premium, um, you know, salaries are going up. Um, I, I, I think the big thing, um, that's really changed in the recruiting landscape is agencies are getting thrashed right now. Agencies are getting thrashed. So So 
because in-house companies can pay more, right? Yep. I mean, essentially, um, my compensation was because of this new kind of practice lead thing. Oh yeah, there we go. Oh, so good. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Agencies can't pay enough because the way we're set up and, and Jono can agree with this, it's, it's primarily commission, right? And, and, and there's that we're, we're so wired, um, to go hunt every day. And I'm not saying that Jono's not there hunting too, but there's just an element of this, like major, like sales mentality with us to try to survive. And, and what's happening is, is that, um, we're dealing with it within, within, within Vaco right now, where a lot of our B players, even some of our like lower A players, right? I mean, we talk about, you know, hiring and, 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 and growing teams. Like you need to have some B players. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But a lot of our B players who really, really, um, produce well for us are getting picked off. Right. So, so what's happening in the software space right now with everything, you know, developers going which and way and not staying super long, it's the exact same thing that's happening in the recruiting space as well. I mean, literally just like John said, it, it, it is a one-to-one -one software to recruiting and kind of everything software seeing the recruiting industry seeing it right now too. It's, it's, it's nuts. You know what? I wanted to just call out something too, that hearing the difference between like we talked about agency or in-house for recruiting and I've worked with both, like as a manager, I've worked with the agency work, but I've also worked internally. And that was one thing that I think Taylor, you really called out for me thinking about it is like the way, like we would maybe work with Jono. You spend a lot more time, like trying to find the right candidate, not saying that the agency world's not finding the right candidate, but it's, a, it is a numbers game when you're like, wow, I got to close something because it, it becomes so much on a commission Correct. basis. And oftentimes that's why companies are hiring you is for that immediate speed. Like it's like, we're throwing you at this because we're like we don't steroids. have the bandwidth in time. That's a cool way to put it. That's <laughs> the best analogy ever. Or illegal <laughs> drugs. One of the two. You need an immediate quick hit. hit. You need a quick hit. Hire me. The, the if I'm hit. ever leaving Vaco, that's my new slogan. If you need a quick hit, hire Taylor Desson. I don't know. So prognosticating a bit into the the future. So there's, what I'm hearing is there, there's a lack of talent in the recruitment talent area. And from what you're saying, Taylor, there's less space in your area as well, because they're all, everybody's moving to like the bigger companies mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. like in-house companies. Mm -hmm. So can we expect to see more people enter like the talent workforce or the talent recruiting side of things from like other industries per se? And I have a point where I'm going with this, but I don't want to like, I don't know. We're going to get a little contentious here just because like I represent the engineering side and like talent and engineering, and if, you know, I know, I know where going. reputation. Yeah. Wait, so, but, wait, so what are you asking? So do you expect, you expect like, we can expect a lot more people to join into the recruitment workforce that like haven't been in there before. Oh, so like the tech industry yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's why most of us suck. Right. I mean, I mean, that's <laughs> why the recruiting industry is fucking terrible because it's like straight up, like none of us know what the hell we're doing because we have to train all these young folks and there's nothing wrong with young folks, like even old folks, right? Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> the end of the day, we don't know what we're talking about because people are just trying to find bodies like, Hey, here, just try to recruit JavaScript. Do you know react? How many years of react do you have? How many do you, do you have AWS? Right. And it's like Lambda's on the resume. It's like, no, you're shit dude. Right. So it's like that type of thing. Um, that, that was my like techie nerdy thing right there. But all that being said, yeah, I mean, I, and this way you're, I mean, literally I was on a call today with a um, nonprofit and I'm going to try to like help them stand up a, tr a sourcing recruiting program to train 
And like their mission is to help people who are incarcerated, right? Get back on their feet. I was like, listen, like, mm. this is a wonderful way. Like so many people are needing recruiting talent and it's such an easy industry to get into if you love people and like you have great communication skills, right? And, and, and you just want to love it. Like this is the industry to do that. And I think another reason why there's no, um, there's not a lot of recruiting talent right now, like Jono said as well, but I didn't know what a recruiter was. Yeah. No, no one talks about recruiting. Like, 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 like if I was in college, I would have been like, ah, peace out. Like I literally, I would have probably left college if I knew where recruiting was. I was like, I don't need college. I'll just go recruit. I'll just learn, learn shit. Right. And so, um, I think that's another reason why there's a shortage in recruiting talent. Plus one, so, just to, to, to double click on that real quick, right? Like you think about most engineers and not all, but most engineers, right? You can go and you can get a CS degree, right? You can even get an EE, you know, degree, whatever it is. Yep. And then, right. You've developed this like foundational knowledge of whatever your skill set is, uh, same case for marketing, same case for design work. Right. But when it comes to recruiting, you just like, you got to hope that you got a good teacher, right. Or a good company that has a great that's training. That's really program. it. Like, I, I feel like I was so fortunate to join tech systems. They invested a lot in their training program. And it was a full like manual that you're going through. It's like three months of onboarding. You fly, they flew us out to, where were we at? We went to Kansas city for this like week long training Man, where we're Kansas city meeting hot. with other people. It was the best barbecue ever. Shout out Dude, to Kansas I, city. I spoke at KCDC this best. year, that barbecue. I don't, I don't know how anybody <laughs> gets anything done in crazy. Kansas city. Shit's lit. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and then you, and then the, the mess up part about it is you have the itis afterwards, right? You want to take a nap as soon as you get it in. But anyway, going back to the training program, you fly out to Kansas City. There's a week-long training program. You're paired up with people from across the country who are the same tenure as you that are going through the same type of imposter syndrome and struggles, and you can talk through it and you can role play. And then you come back and then it's like, okay, you know, you're out in the world, you can recruit now. Um, so yeah, I think that's, you know, just a plus one, Taylor, what you said, the reason for the slow uh, entrance of new recruiters into the workforce. So like knowing, understanding now from, from what you're all saying data and just general on the ground insights that you have, we know that the market is about to be, I won't say flooded. There'll be a lot of low quality recruitment out there because I think it's easy to view it as a sales job. And to some degree it is almost, especially if you're getting paid by the head, you're just like, it's a numbers game, just like any other sales job. We're going to get another flood of that low spray and pray email, dear candidate, insert name, like we're, we're hiring for whatever, like what collectively as a tech industry. So not just on you all, like what, what can we do to avoid this coming catastrophe? Like we know it's coming, we can see it's coming, but like, how can we make this better and like improve these relationships? And sorry, this is like, not something we had like brought up. Before, oh, go ahead, John. You first, man. I mean, I have very strong thoughts, but I mean, I, I feel like honestly, Taylor, what you're doing with that nonprofit is one way to solve for that. To, to build out proper training programs uh, that people can can learn and understand like the right fundamentals, the right way to build a network, the right way to go about recruiting and not this like transactional pro uh, process of like, hey, you need a job, I got a job, great. You got a job, now I got you, right? Like that, it, it can so easily get into that. And I, I think going back and I, I can't thank the agency that I work for, so shout out Tech Systems. Uh, I can't thank them enough because I think one thing that they instilled is recruiting, it truly is like a networking, right? And, and so a true. relationship building, yeah. uh, you know, job where, you know, I would reach out, I was trained to reach out to people of like, hey, I know you have a job, but just he, here's my point of contact, or here's my contact information. Six, 12 months, nine months down the road, whenever, three years down the road, if you, your friend, your 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 mom, your your sibling, whatever it is, needs a job, think of me, 
and we would take people out to lunch just to get to know them. And it was this really like, really like strong relationship building process. And it wasn't, of course it was competitive. We had metrics, right? Like we, I, I saw my commission number every day, right? We had this board that showed everybody's he is commission number. not wrong. But, and it's right. And you feel that pressure, but how you get to those numbers, it was by building relationships. Um, and I think again, Taylor, exactly what you're doing uh, with that nonprofit, hopefully that'll solve, right? That's like a, a micro solution yeah. to it. But if we can do that on a, you know, at scale, like that changes the game. What Jono said, absolutely. Like, I think I'm a huge, huge believer in networking. I think it's so, so important. And sometimes it's that long haul. Like it doesn't pay off immediately, especially when you have that commission staring you in the face, that's gotta be tough. But I think it, it ends up paying off. It, you invest and it pays off. But I also wanna say, Taylor, I think what you are doing, just even like the content that you're putting out there is so beneficial to everyone. Like I see it in for like beneficial for engineers that, or, or anyone applying for jobs. Like you talk about like bulking up the resume, be thoughtful around that. But I think it just also demonstrates like that networking effect and also just like, Hey, I want to help others. You're building a community around it. Right. And I think those are the types of things that are going to help anyone new to the industry, you know, and engineers, but absolutely. We're talking about recruiters joining they can look to that content and go, oh, I never thought of that. Or, yeah. oh, that is worthwhile to pay off and network and things like that. So I think things like that even have 10x effect. They're so great. Um, they help so many people. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I mean, my, my tagline is recruiter against recruiters for a reason, right? Like, like I understand <laughs> that I'm a recruiter, but I'm against the traditional way of recruiting because it's so bad. And, and I think to answer this question, until agencies can chill and like, start allowing people to connect with people and view people as people instead of numbers, the industry won't change until that happens. And it's so difficult and you have to have founders and C-suite that understand. Now, here's the deal, right? Vaco, I think we're a unicorn, like we're a billion dollar. I think we were recently valued at a billion dollars, right? Like, like you get to a certain point where you can't do that. And I understand that, however, you can still, it, it's, it, it, it's trickle down, right? From the top, you know, all the way down. I have been blessed with incredible amount of mentors. I've been blessed with um, an amazing management team that supports everything I'm doing. And I also have a vision of what I want to build. And, and, and really moving forward is I want to wrap my arms around the whole entire engineering community in the U.S., right? Like that's my goal until I die. And, and, but like you have to be wired to help people. And the only way this industry is going to change is if people focus on people and not the numbers. I, I think I completely agree. I think it's, you know, that's the thing is like building that long-term network and, or, you know, even to what Jem said, I think alluding to is like, you know, being on the engineering side, we've been in the position where we're in demand always. And that's been so awesome for so many ways. Like, I don't want to complain about it at all. I think it's amazing to be in demand and have all these options. But then when we see the recruiters stuff, when they're like an email getting sent to you, Hey, Ryan, come join our backend team doing Java, which I have done Java in the past, but I actually purposely don't have that on my resume when I'm applying to like a front end role, because that's not what I'm working at or even getting requests to join as a as an engineer, like as an IC, it's like, now I've been in management for so many years that I'm like, did you even look at my resume or like yeah. look at my LinkedIn? And so I think if there's those little things get, you know, 
can go a long way of just like spending a little time and putting that little effort out. And so I, I love hearing that. Well, and, and I think too, I think, and, and, and John, I'll be interested to hear your take as well, because there is, so there's two sides of recruiting, right? There's the tech side. You have to know tech, right? To, to, to do it well, you have to know that. And, and even I would argue and say, you have to be pretty technical. Like I feel good enough to sit in an engineering conversation with CIOs, VPs of engineering and, and talk at a super high level, right? Like that's, I, that's where I'm at. Now, maybe I'm going to get blasted and then it, Jim's going to throw some shit at me that I've never heard before, but I feel that comfortable. The other side of it is the networking side. And that is where we really fall short because what's happened is a traditional way of recruiting and, and John, can attest this with, with uh, tech systems, right? It's get on indeed. It's get on dice. It's get on career builder. It's get on LinkedIn recruiter. It's message, 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 message. And you know what my team's trying to do? Literally I had a one-on-one -on -one with my, um, my main recruiter this week. He goes, I want to get off all that. He goes, what other, what other avenues can I look at? And we were talking about Pluralsight. We were talking about Polywork. We were talking about, you know, he wants to basically develop a mentorship as a service, right? Because there's this huge need in the software space for mentorship. So all that being said, I think the networking side and the biggest, the networking side is just a huge piece. And the biggest advice that I want to give to people who listen to this in the future is, um, especially recruiters, the best piece of advice I've ever had is go to meetups or go to networking events and keep your mouth shut. That's the best advice so, I've ever you know, gotten. Plus the, one. Like, I love that you brought up the networking events though, too. Cause like, to me, like going back to what's changed that one, I struggled with a lot early in the pandemic. I, I, I think I'm still struggling with it, but I loved going to whether it be meetups or conferences because I got that personal connection. Like I was able to talk with folks and say like, what are you working on? Like, what are some of the challenges you're dealing with? And like, you could have a legitimate conversation with people and it ends up sometimes those relationships that you build at those conferences end up turning into someone to come like work on your team and, and join. And that's awesome. And with the pandemic hitting, that was tough. Virtual conference happened. Like we, we have virtual conferences so good that we've gone to that. I can still see amazing tech conference talks, but there's no hallway conversation. There's mm -hmm. no like, hey, let's grab lunch or let's grab a coffee. Like, let's how grab did a gin you think of that talk? Yeah, grab a gin and tonic, right? Like, it, it, those types of things I, I really struggled with and still do. I think there are areas where Twitter, I, I really enjoy Twitter and can learn and have some of those conversations, but it's, it's just hard to find those areas and it hasn't been quite figured out yet if we are all remote. And that, that's where engineers are, we're so reliant on the, the talent team and the recruiters because it's to add to like the third piece of your point, Taylor, which is like the recruiter is that, that the talent person is that missing link between the engineer and the company. And they can help break down like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a really chill culture. I've got four kids. I don't need to work like to 10 and 10 PM every night. And the recruiter's like, Hey, I've got a few roles that look like that versus mm -hmm. a good recruiter will the bad recruiter is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this company's totally cool. They're, they're cool with that. And then you get in there and it's like, they're just burning people out left and right. The, it's that relationship part, but it's like a two-way relationship. It's like you, the, the talent person, the, the engineer with the recruiter, then the recruiter with the company. And like in the middle, the really good ones can tell you all about that. And like, hey, this company, they're going to work you pretty hard, but they're on the latest tech stack and it, it is hot and they are going places versus this company, you know, they're stable. You're going to have a job in a couple of years. They know what they're doing. They're they're not growing very quickly, but like they're they're pretty chill. And that's what you're looking for, and that's kind of what I miss with meeting people in person. Is like you get that, and you have to establish these relationships virtually via Twitter or LinkedIn or something like that. To me, I no, I I I you know I get on recruiters a lot. 
because the industry, you know, it, it it's has bad. its outside. It's bad. But the the good ones that like will save your butt and like are really just good people to know and they stick with you. But like you're saying, it's all about that relationship over time, not that like quick hit, quick sales. So I think that's a great segue into something that's been on my mind is, you know, things have changed, but then, and we've talked about the recruiting side of it. Now, how do engineering candidates stand out? I think that that's maybe been harder because maybe they're relying on going to the conferences or going to meetups or networking events. How do candidates stand out? They're still in demand, but like, how do they get your attention as a recruiter? I, I want to hear this too, especially from a net Netflix side. Because like, you know, I, I've interviewed Jim and Ryan on my show. Like I, I understand kind of what they look for, but like, I would love to hear what you would, you, you guys look for on the recruiting side. Uh, I, I think one thing that, that I've noticed has become more of a trend over the years is I think engineers having a specialization or a focus. And I think breadth is, is great, but I think depth, right? Because as, as technology evolves and it, and it expands, right. And there, there's there's new problems that exist, right? Or that are created, right? Is there's, there's new tools. And so that like ability to like find your way into that groove of that new technology, that new problem space, right? Like that new gap, whatever it is in your system that's created, like usually more companies adopted and all of a sudden there's that specialization that's needed across the industry. And so I, I think that's what people, I think we as a people, and it's not just engineers, there's this like, there's always been this, this mantra, this idea that like we need to be well-rounded. And we need to become experts in all areas. But I, I think, uh, I don't know if anybody's read the book Strength Finders, uh, but the premise of the book is that you're actually better off not working on any of your weaknesses and just becoming an expert in the areas that you're great at. And what happens is you end up building, building a team around you of people whose strengths complement your weaknesses. And so now you have this additive team that is so dynamic and everybody has their own swim lane. And so I think, you know, you carry that over to the engineering space, right? You could be great on the ar architecture side. Another person is great on the SQL database side, right? Another person is great, right? When it comes to cross-functional work or comms or presentation, and now like you're able to actually like lean in mm. to everybody and utilize everybody. And there aren't any redundancies where it's like, well, Jim's already a great architect. Like, do we need to hire a Ryan right now? Like you guys are arguing over the, the work or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, why not have your own specialization? and be that like true power player on the team. That's so good. That was a great answer. I just need to stop talking because everything Don Jonas is a straight fuck fire. So uh, <laughs> for me, I, you, you've dropped some bombs. So, so, so I think it. you're so eloquent, man. You got a great voice too. The mic's great. I don't know. I, I, I think standing out, I think, um, so I want to go back to networking because I don't want us to, 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 to miss on that, uh, on this topic. And, and I think this is kind of my thing to stand out is, I, I was, I was very, I've become very fascinated with behaviors of people in like, in, in like, I've, I've really kind of taken on a content marketing kind of mindset and I've really focused it on the engineering side and, 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 and how people find jobs and how people interact in today's world. Right. We are, we are remote, right. We are doing this podcast remote. We are doing our meetings on zoom on Microsoft teams. Like we're, that is virtual, right? I'm not talking about the metaverse, right? We're not there yet. Actually, though, that would be pretty tight to do this thing in the metaverse. But <laughs> that being said, networking is, it, it, I literally interviewed a guy today. He's an engineering manager at an NFT company called um, uh, Exodus. And literally, he was like, if I get 20 resumes, but three people have pinged me on LinkedIn, like, hey, listen, I've researched Exodus. I just submitted my resume to your front end role. I'm pretty hyped up about this stuff. Like, just, I just, I want to put, I, you know, just connect. 
he goes, I'm going to go right to HR and be like, Hey, do you see so-and-so's name? I want to talk to him. Right. That right now is going to put, shoot you to the top of the list. Right. Listen, does every person need a podcast? No. Does every person need a, a, a blog? No. Does every person need an email newsletter? No, but I will tell you this, find your passion. And if it's engineering, great. You know, Jason Langsdorf, uh, VP of developer experience at Netlify. He and I connected, he was on the show, on my show. He and I really connected after the show when I found out he loved corgis, <laughs> right? I'm a, I have a corgi best dog ever. Don't at me. It's basically like a living teddy bear. And, and so for me, he and I bonded over that. So now I literally, I saw a Corgi thing and I texted Jason randomly like a, a month or two ago. And he was like, dude, thanks for sending this. This is, this is awesome. That's this, that's how you stand out in today's world. But what it is, is you have to spend time on LinkedIn. If you're not on Twitter and you're in the engineering space, I would highly get on it. Jono, I don't, you are missing out like crazy. Um, and so, uh, that, that's the skill that I think you need um, uh, from a job seeker side of things. Hopefully, did I answer the question? Was it the job seeker? Is that what we're talking about? Hi oh yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. I think you, and you hit on for me as being a hiring manager, there's been times I get a lot of messages, but some of those messages pop up and I'm like, yeah, let's talk. And didn't even realize that they've applied to the role because right. sometimes that may not have hit my quote unquote desk yet because like there's stacks of people applying and it may not have made its way to me, but someone reaching out and being like, Hey, I was really, I saw this role on your, the, your team and you know, I'm interested in it. Here's why that's super helpful. I mean, let me call out a little bit of a negative too, because there is sometimes when you oh, get yeah. the, the message where it's like, I want to work at Netflix. How do I do that? That to me, unfortunately doesn't land so well, uh, even though the, what Taylor described of like someone saying, like reaching out and being like, oh, I'm really interested in that role and everything. To me, that actually sounds a lot more thoughtful. They're basically the same message, right? Like they're like, I want to work at this company and I want to work on that role. But it's, it's really speaking to what about the role or about that team or about the company that excites you. That actually goes a really long way. Not just like, hey, I want to work at Netflix. How do I do that? It, that to me, it's just hard. I'm like, well, that wasn't the most thoughtful message versus someone who's just put a little more thought into that. So I do want to call that out as maybe added to that. You got to get better yeah. at the DM game. I want to work at Netflix someday. How can I do that? I'm like, that, that's such a broad. All right. Like, so we're we talking about so, this. so many categories of work. So I have a hack. All right. So listen, for those of you who are single on Tinder or Bumble or whatever daggum swipe app that's out there now, I met my wife on Tinder, by the way, but um, shout out Tinder looking for sponsorships. But basically, there's three ways to slide into someone's DM, right? So here, here, here's a good DM. One, flattery, admiration. Hey, Jim, I follow you on Twitter. Love what you're doing. I think you're a great mind in the engineering space. Well, first off, Jen's going to be Jack. He's like, all right, one, this guy like or girl like pays attention to me. Two, I like to feel good, right? So there, you got him right there. Two, list a specific amount of time that you want to talk to somebody, if you want to talk to somebody, right? So, hey, Jim, I was wondering if you got three minutes, man. I've always wanted to work at Netflix and I want to ask you what is the key thing that a job seeker could stand out with interviewing at Netflix. So what that does is Jim knows it's going to be quick and I got one question, right? Listen, when my mom texts me, she goes, you got five minutes. How long is that going to be? How long is that going to be? An hour, hour and a half, probably, right? I ain't got time for that. No manager. No one's got time for five minutes. Everyone's got time for six minutes. So all y'all going to go get dates that was, like, that was That was one. Huh? No. You're like, I got three, three, three tips. Admiration, flattery. Yeah, it's three, three okay. tips. Let's oh, okay, let's not again. Admiration, flattery, a specific amount of time, and the specific question. Yes, that 
That's absolutely right. Those, those I respond to. You're you're 100 right. Those generic queries, the ones you copy paste. I think that's else. how it slid into your dem, uh, your your dems, your gems, your DMs. Probably. I thought I thought Ryan introduced us. I don't oh, know. Did Ryan introduce us? Damn. You, you All right. Well, then that's how it slid into Ryan's DMs. Him. Then. <laughs> no, I, that yeah. that is 100 percent accurate. Uh, even if even uh, I like the ones where it's like, hey, I'm not there yet, but I want to get there in a few years. Versus, hey, I want to work in Netflix. I'm like, man, you got two years experience. You could be awesome. Chances are you're not. Chances are you have like a lot of growing to do. But if you're like, hey, I'm here. These are the, like, I'm brand new to the field. I got a couple of years experience. and I really want to get to the level where I can work at Netflix mm -hmm. or any other company in, in tech. Can you give me a little bit of pointers on how you got there? Those I always respond to. Because like, it takes very little effort for me to tell like my sad life story. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Those sort of things work. I would say the caveat to the advice, some of the advice given here is be authentic in your communication. Oh, so good. I, I, like we, <laughs> I know John and Taylor, number one, because you all talk to people all day for a living, but all hiring managers, all recruiters have a BS meter. And we can tell very quickly when you're just full of whatever, like it, just like not authentic communication. It's clearly like transactional. Like I want something from you versus I'm trying to make a genuine connection. And yeah. I know it's hard to like prescribe genuineness and authenticity, but you got to try it, people. Try it, try a little bit, man. There were people on the other end too. It'll get I exposed mean, at some point. It'll get yeah. exposed. <laughs> that, that's what John would do. I'm like, I don't know about this person. Once you go talk to him, he'll be like, I got you. I'll find out about him. <laughs> it, it is a real thing. It is a real thing. All right. I got one for y'all. I feel like I know the answer, but things have changed. Companies have even changed their tune on being remote and allowing and actually hiring remote. I've seen that drastically change in the industry. Is that an important thing nowadays? Like, you know, the market is that it feels like it's such an in-demand thing. So I feel like I'm just kind of answering my own question, but how important is it that companies are offering remote? I, I think it's vital for, for companies to stay relevant. Actually, I was looking at an article. One of my coworkers sent me an article that talked about uh, just the struggle to retain employees. And it talked about this shift in remote opportunities. And I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this stat. The other stat that I had was, was accurate, but I know this is like somewhat close. It was a year ago or in 2020 before COVID. Uh, I think it was one in like 600 or one in 300 jobs uh, mentioned or were open to the possibility of remote work. Now in 2021 or last year in 2021, it was one in six jobs Stop. offered remote Stop. options. And I'm going to, I'm going to fact check myself, Taylor, I'm gonna let you go, but I'm going to fact check myself to figure out like what the, the actual stat is, but to see that like transformation for the entire, right. Entire industry is incredible. So if you are not allowing your, your employees to work remote, right. You're, you're, you're at a significant disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, John, uh, John is a reader and I love that. Cause I, I'm more of like a picture type of guy, um, like more like picture books and type type situations. So it's always nice to have people around you who actually read things. But for me, <laughs> for me, I, I think remote's vital. Um, I quoted this the other day and I'm going to quote it here cause y'all have a bigger following than I do, but I think we're going to start to see the emergence of a four day work week because what's happening now is Companies who can't, who offer remote, but can't pay market. So remote's one, pays two, right? And then I get this whole lazy narrative. We can't pay Fang. Okay, that's that's lazy. Stop that. You got it. There, there is a national average that that's kind of the area I work in, right? Like Fang, big tech. That's kind of its own entity. 
right? You kind of play in a different space. I'm not familiar with That's why, John, like, I think you and I just need to, like, hang out and drink some gin together. Maybe I'll fly out to wherever you are, but um, on Vaco's dime. But basically, like, like there, there is a middle level where companies aren't, can't even get to that. So my thing is, is like, I think we're going to start seeing four day work weeks from companies who can't even pay kind of that national mid average is what I call it. Um, so they have to try to entice people in other ways. But yeah, for me, remote number one, pay number two. And if you can't do pay, I think we're going to start seeing companies get a little creative. So I fact checked myself and looked up the article and it was one in 67. So I was, I was a little bit off. But one in 67 jobs re- mentioned, right, or were open to the, the possibility of remote work. Uh, and then that moved to one in six. Nashville is the one in 60 is 65 other jobs. Like literally like Nashville is so behind. I think it's the South. I think Southeast in general, like we're so antiquated, dude. I, we got companies asking for three days in the office still, still. And they're below pay. It's like, what the heck y'all doing? I hope, I hope they hear this podcast. They feel guilty because they need to feel guilty. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's nuts, man. Like people still aren't getting it, still not getting it. I think that it's, it's tough too, because now those companies are really competing. So local talent is like, yeah, but I can go get a remote job and get paid the salary that I'm worth. And so, and so I do agree with you is that companies really need to think and understand that it's not that they have to go move to Silicon Valley to go get paid the fang company it's like no no no. the fang company will hire you in nashville tennessee like that is happening and so i think that is more and more important to stay competitive to think strategically about that so i have one thing i want to go back to the networking because i can't stress it enough one of my buddies works in netflix now uh in nashville and it's because he randomly dm'd a hiring manager and was like hey i've been following you you guys are doing this and he got a job after after one dm one dm um, and so again, I, I just, what Ryan just said, reiterating, you don't have to go anywhere now. Right. And that's what companies need to be aware of. You, it, it's not a localized sa- a salary anymore. It's a, it's a national rate. There's the, you're nationally behind, and that is going to be a problem for organizations in the next five years. I'll, I'll say, uh, well, I, I had a question about four day work week. So that's a very hot take. And I want to, I want, I want to hear more about yeah. that. Uh, the other one is Yes. Remote is not a thing. Like companies, I still people see people giving like some of the larger tech companies crap because like, oh, you need to be on site, stuff, stuff like that. The fan companies are like the tastemakers for the tech industry, whether you like it or not. Facebook's still buying campuses. Google's still buying campuses. It's unlikely they're going to go full remote anytime soon. Microsoft is still growing and expanding. LinkedIn's still growing and expanding, et cetera. So like, I think there are different categories uh, of tech companies where some are like, you have to be remote to be competitive because like you, you don't. You don't offer a salary, you don't offer prestige, you don't offer the work or something like that. And then there's the large tech companies where they're like, we're going to do whatever we want to do. You don't want to work remote? That's fair. Don't work I here, know man. this isn't like, a video you know, show, but like literally everybody went, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think it's important before, like, understand what, what you really want as an engineer before you start. Like, how dare they not offer remote? I'm a great engineer. It's like, well, that's, that's not their company. That's, that's okay. Like, I think there's something for everybody. On the four-day work week, as... As Silicon Valley uh, tech-wise people, do you really think that is going to stick around? No. Because I don't. Okay. I, I, I want to say something, but like, no, I want to hear what you all think about the four-day work week. John, like, go ahead. I'm interested in your thoughts. I, I mean, I don't know if I really have an opinion on this. Like, it like it sounds tight. Like, I would love to have a four-day work week. Is it realistic? No. Like, you're still going to get customers 
clients, right? Like other people that are even outside of your org that are going to be sending requests on the, the Monday or Friday that you aren't working and you're going to get guilted into doing the work. And so it, it just, it sounds, it sounds good. I just don't think it'll happen. I'm in support of it though. Yeah. Just, just I, no, if Netflix thinks about it, yeah, Jim, yeah. We, we got my vote. Yeah, John was like plus one. Um, but no, for me, listen, I, I don't think, I, I think it depends on your business. Right. It's like we just said, like, you can never do it as a recruiter. I mean, John, I can attest to that. Like, I, I literally messaged my wife. I was like, hey, I, I have I have something till 530 today. Like, I, like I, I'm trying to wrap up I'm new year, new me. I'm trying to get a little better work life balance. But like, like recruiting, it's very difficult. If you're if you're in, if you're with a company, I think it can be done depending on your company. For the most part, because everything's SaaS, everything, you know, product-based, customers, 24-7, always, you know, whatever. Like, I, I don't think it's scalable, but I do think it could work depending on what you do as a company. Yeah, I, the way I think about it is, yeah, it's probably unrealistic that the whole industry is now four-day work week to have a lot of the great points that you all mentioned. I think what I think about it is more, we open ourselves open for, or like open up for flexibility in the sense that people should be able to work less or change their hours and, and it shouldn't really be tracked. Like you can, I can work in the evening and respond to a couple emails or I'm like, you know what, I'm not that productive right now. I'm going to take the rest of the afternoon off but that doesn't mean that I'm not delivering things. Like, I think it, we should get rid of the whole ass and seat model. Like that, that's never really been a thing like nine to five. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really work. And so I think that if anything, I could see more and more flexibility. I feel like I have flexibility in my schedule. I afford that to my team. I don't pay attention to hours worked or vacation time. I, it, it's like, you're getting your job done and that's really what works. And you know how to be most productive. I don't know. Everyone's different do what works best for you. And so I think that that kind of is maybe the mental model of the four day work beat is people need breaks, but we just need to allow for that more is that people should just take breaks when they need them. I will say it is very nice sometimes when you can coordinate a day off, like on a Friday when your entire org does it, uh, because then nobody's, nobody is sending you messages, right? That's big. It's, it's cut down. And then it's a really easier for you to say fully disconnect. So there are some benefits to like doing that, but I agree with all of you. I don't know that it's likely going to happen. In our, our podcast, we always like to go and t share pics of things that we found interesting. We've shared a, a lot of amazing advice already. I want each of you to maybe one piece of advice for that engineer out there looking for a job. What's the one piece of advice that you would leave them with before we jump into our picks? Uh, one piece of advice that I would have for engineers right now. We kind of covered a lot. I mean, I'm really big on networking. I'm really big on the DM game really big. I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I know you said one, but I'm going through my mental checklist and uh, out loud. So you can cut out all this if you need to. Um, resume, LinkedIn, incredibly important. It's still a cornerstone of the job search. Man, I, I, I think be intentional, bring energy, be curious and enjoy the journey. I think I think people approach, I think there is a job search mentality. And actually, I've, I wrote a blog about this. There's a job search mentality that needs to occur. And, it, and you know, we talk about, you know, I'm a big um, college football guy, right? I went to University of South Carolina. Um, we went through a coaching change. We just whipped North Carolina this year. Like, but, and like our coach, um, like our kind of mantra is the climb, right? South Carolina went two and eight, four and eight, like we've sucked, right? And, and, and it's not the process and it's not the journey, but it's the climb. And, and our coach has gotten all the players 
to believe and hey, listen, it's not going to happen overnight. It's the same thing with the job search. I think people go into the job search and they're like, oh shit, like here I go again. I got an interview and like talk to a bunch of strangers, but it's like, you know, what if you flipped your mindset, right? I'm going to get to meet Jem today, or I'm going to get to meet Jono today. I may have the chance to learn something about AWS that I've never learned before. I'm going to be able to find a new home eventually that, that may give me better gear than I'm at now, right? There, it, it, it's a mindset shift. And I feel like there's so much negativity. Um, I think people put out a bunch of toxic negativity in the job search. I, you know, we've all seen it on Twitter, except John, cause he's not on it, but he gonna get on it after this about people tweeting like after they interview and they just trash, it's always everybody else's fault. Right. And, and, and I just think that the positivity needs to be there and you have to flip your mentality from, oh no, to this is going to be fun. Yeah. Plus one to everything Taylor said. I, I think for me, my advice would be to utilize your, uh, your network. Right. And, and really like lean into your near inventory to help get that job or get that interview. I think like we so often just blindly just like apply to jobs or, you know, folks would just click, 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 apply, apply, submit my resume, submit my resume. But with that, it, it's a bit of a get, guessing game and you don't know what the team is like. You don't know what the culture is like. You don't know like truly what you're walking into. And so if you can reach out to a Jim, a Ryan, a Taylor and say, Hey, Ryan, can you submit my resume or refer me over to this role? I think there's a couple of things that happen there. You have somebody on the inside that can tell you, you know, truly what it's like to work there and if they think it would be a good fit. And they might be more honest about your ability uh, to work there as well. And so you just like your expectations are set and they're realistic. I think the other, other thing is you give yourself a better chance to actually get in front of the hiring manager and have your resume seen. When I go to Jim and I'm like, hey, there's this engineer that I worked with at Lyft. Will you look at their resume? Like he sees it, you know, it's, there's no guarantee that he gets an interview uh, or that she gets an interview. They get an interview, but they'll at least, uh, Jim will at least look at whoever this is and will most likely, you know, John, I trust you. I feel like you have good judgment. I'll at least give this person a shot. Uh, so I would say that's, that's the best advice is just utilize your inventory, utilize your network as much as possible. But Taylor, that's what you've been saying is network, 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 network. All right, Jim, hiring manager advice. Uh, I'd say someone who, who just recently, as someone who recently hired, remember, we talked to a lot of people, find a way to stand out in, in some way, in, in an authentic way, but like we have a finite amount of time. Uh, this one comes down to like, when you actually get the connection to the hiring manager is be concise with your answers. If you ramble on, it makes me think, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and like, understand that, like, I, I'm trying to get a signal on you as quickly as I can. So like be tight in your answers, be focused and understand what you're looking for. Because maybe you're not a right fit. Ryan Ryan is like a uh, master of this in Netflix, but he talks to people and is like, hey, you're not a good fit for me. However, my buddy over here on TV, I think you'd be a good fit there. But like, you have to understand what you as an engineer are looking for. So being tight in that focus. Taylor, I like what you said about uh, being optimistic about it, especially people that are new. They're always like, Jim, I want to I wanna get this six-figure salary. I'm like, cool. Tell me about yourself. Like, I'm about to start a boot camp. I'm like, you got a long way to go, my friend. But like, understand, like, it's a it's a five ten year journey. You you can't get there immediately. You may see people on Twitter have been like, I just got this big fang offer. Yeah, half of it's luck, half of it's just like knowing the right people, and the other half is just getting out there and trying a lot. So for all those people again, starting off, just starting off their code journey, switching over from being teachers and nurses, all that. It's a journey. It's going to take you a few years, but that's okay. I, I think the payoff is worth it. Note, note to self, be really clear and concise with Jen moving forward. Got it. <laughs>
Communication is important. It really is. I, I'll maybe build on gems a little bit too, that maybe you're in that interview stage or you are, are having conversations with the recruiting team or the hiring manager or the engineers that are in, within the team. Be curious. I think it really speaks to what Jem was even saying is like, you're also interviewing do I want to be in this team? Do I want to work with these folks? Do I, you know, is this the right role for me? But I think it also, you have to like want the role. And so like, what's, what's important to you and ask questions like what's the growth of the team? What are some of the things that are, they're dealing with troubles that they're dealing with challenges? What's exciting to them? I think sometimes we forget that, yeah, we're getting interviewed on the, right. Like we're getting all the questions. If I'm the one who's the engineer interviewing, but like you want to ask some questions too and thoughtful questions. It goes a long way. It shows that you're curious and care about the role. I want to, I want to add two follow-up points to each of, of your tips, Jim and Ryan. I think first, Jim, in, in terms of being concise, I think the, some of the best advice that I got from, it was a, it was like a VP at Apple and this was on a candidate that I had brought in. Candidate, you know, scored like pretty well. And I, I think all of the decisions were higher, right? Or there were threes, fours. But ultimately we decided not to move forward. And this VP, he was like, you know what? Like there was a lot of bright spots there. There was, you know, a lot of good, but they were so long-winded and verbose in their answers. He goes, if I ask you what time it is, don't tell me how the clock is made. Which is, I love that analogy. Lo like, and it's, it's stuck, it's stuck with me since then. So that's why I'm being concise. And then Ryan, in terms of being curious, I think that's such great advice. And so I have a podcast as well and it's all on failure. Wait, what is, so what, all about, what, what is it called? Cause I'm literally going to subscribe right now. It's called mostly mistakes. That's and so the goal good. of it is I to normalize, that. the goal of it is to normalize failure and help people like get like a true understanding of what it takes to be successful. Like you're going to, you're going to fuck up a lot, but one of our guests, he, uh, he, he great, he gave a, a, a great quote and it was his like general interviewing advice. And it was, try to sound interested, not interesting in the sense that, right. People that try to sound interesting, they try to be know-it-alls and they're trying to drop facts and they're trying to do this and, and really like boast and beat their chest and, and really are being inauthentic and in line about what they can actually do. Or instead, if you are curious and you're interested in, in who you're meeting with and what you're doing, it shows your analytical skills. It shows you that you are always looking to understand, to seek, to know. Uh, and we all want that, that person on our team. Goodness wow. Gracious. You guys are leaving so much gold for people of information. Yeah, it's great. Real. This is awesome. All right. Well, in each episode of the front end happy hour podcast, we like to leave you all with things that we found interesting and want to share with you. It can be relevant to the podcast episode. It can be completely off base, but we're going to share it anyways. Jem, I'll let you start it off. So prepare our guests to what, what you're sharing. Yeah. I, so I have two picks today. Um, one is an article from probably one of my favorite online publications, news sites. I don't know what you call it. Uh, it's called Ars Technica. I, it's one of the few sites I actually pay for and a subscriber. And I don't know, they have really good takes on pop culture, technology. They can actually like dig into stuff. So it's not just like, hey, Apple released a new iPhone. They'll dig into like the tech specs, but not something like Tom's Hardware or Nantech or something like that, where you're like, what, what are they even talking about? What CDD even mean? But they, it's like the right balance of informative for a tech person like myself, but still being approachable for people who aren't necessarily in tech. So Ars Technica isn't actually my pick. I should have been, but they're awesome. They have an article. It was written last year, a few months ago, but I just came across it. It's called A Decade and a Half of Instability, The History of Google Messaging Apps. And I, saw I just you tweet read this that and I was day. like, 
Oh my God. It, it's so, I don't understand how Google maintains the company. I know they make like all their money from search, but it's like so frustrating to see the culture of Google replicated in their messaging apps. And like, you can look at their history of, I don't know, the, the dozen or so ways they try to like reinvent the wheel. And that tells you a lot about like how their promotion culture is, what their internal culture is, what their engineering culture is. And you can get all that from the way they release products and how it's done with like products that don't work with each other, even though they release at the exact same time, they do the exact same thing. Anyways, it's a really good article. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, we will do some, we're going to do an episode, I think later this year upon promotion driven development and how that shows up in people's products. That is something that's very, very real in Silicon Valley. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like you, you understand why things are the way they are. So good article. I highly recommend it. Ars Technica. Ars. Yeah. Yes, so what was it? Ars what? It's Ars Technica. T E C H I N I. If it is good enough for if if Jim likes clear, concise answers and he likes this, then I will like it. So I'm gonna subscribe. It's it's like one of the most reasonable and balanced sites. Like they're they're not left, they're not right. It's just like it is what it is, and we're technical people. And like, this is how things are affecting and they call people out on all sides. So I, I, I genuinely enjoy it. One of the few pl places I actually spend my money on the internet. My second pick is my Valley Silicon pick for those who are just now listening or not Fred and happy regulars. That's the part of the show where I pick things that they only exist. These products only exist because people in Silicon Valley make way, way too much money. So the question is Ryan, I'll throw this to you since, uh, actually no, Jono, since you brought up gin and tonic, how do you make a gin and tonic? Just like walk, walk me through it real quick. <laughs> I feel like this is a trick question. Like I, I feel like it's it's about to be like a fucked there up. Was, gotcha there moment. was there was like no, you're an idiot. All no, right. it's not a it's not a trick. Go, go ahead. So I'm gonna start like my wife is. So she's an interior designer and she's all about the aesthetic. And she she in college and even post college she like bartended a little bit on the side. So I think I, I'm a little spoiled by her. But you got to have the right glass, right? You got to have a nice nice mug, right? Solid thickness of glass, a nice solid ice cube. We have one of those like uh, large ice cube uh, makers, right? Get your ice cube, get your tonic. I think you're going about uh, maybe about a quarter up the glass of tonic, of, of gin, tonic the rest, a nice little, uh, I'd say a nice little lime to add to it. No cucumber, not a cucumber guy. Man, I want to come to your Damn, house. I love that, that is a cocktail. That, that is, you put a lot of thought into that. Well, the question, honestly, the question made me nervous. And I think I overthought the question too. I, I was a little nervous for answer. you. I was yeah, super like, nervous. I was, oh, ready, no, I was ready for Jim to like pop up out of my, like my closet or something and be like, no, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I try not to, I don't ambush people on the show. I hope not. No, that's not my style. This isn't talk radio. <laughs> so after all that, all that care and thought that you put into making uh, a gin and tonic, also one of my favorite drinks. What if I can tell you, you've been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> Let me tell you about the Bartesian cocktail maker. For the low price of $350, it will put together the cocktails for you. Because as you know, making a cocktail is a very, very, very complicated process that involves well... many years of study. You gotta get a smoke machine and a degree in biology for <laughs> $350, the Bartesian will sell you pre-made mixtures that will automatically scan and understand how their price, precise amount of bitters. This is something I came across. Um, I don't understand why it exists. This is why it's Valley Silicon. It's just not that difficult to make a cocktail. Yes. Whoa, yes, whoa, whoa. Wait, this is a cocktail thing? Purists. This is an actual thing? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. God, y'all wild out there. 
I, I don't understand who this is for because it's like, it's not like it just pours like the right, like two to one gin and tonic or something for you. It like uses like these proprietary pods that no doubt you're going to have to buy again. And then once they go out of business, it won't be use any use anymore. It's just like solving a problem that isn't really a problem, which is why this is Valley Silicon. And that's my official pick is the Bartesian cocktail maker. I just, I, I'm just here to tell you, you all have been doing it wrong. You can just get a machine to do it for you. Jono, you got to follow that one now with your, your picks. All right. And this is, this is my first time here. So I just, I want to make sure these are just any picks that we have, things that we love, yep. products, services, whatever with the book, show or not music. with the show book, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So my pick, my first pick, this is, um, this is actually one of my favorite purchases of all time. And Jim, I think, you know, that I'm in Arizona, Taylor, Ryan, that's where I'm in. I'm in Arizona, uh, living in Phoenix, but I'm from the Bay. So what I, what I'm going <laughs> to, what I'm selling here is going to seem like a little bit of an oxymoron for me living in the desert, but it is kind of cold here. And I just went up to Flagstaff last week and was in, in snow, but my pick is right here. It is a heated vest. So do you see this? Wait for it. Do you see the Iron Man button? You see that? Whoa. You see I'm blowing right there? So it's a heated vest. You got a little battery pack. I'm sweating right just looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> this is when we were, when my wife and I, when we were living in San Francisco, it was perfect. Uh, and now we only use them when we, you know, we only use them when we go up north to Flagstaff. But there's an interchangeable battery pack. You, you know, whatever. You plug it up, set it up. There's coils on the chest. There's coils on the back. There's coils on the neck. First, I bought one for my dad. He loved it. I bought one, bought one for my wife, my mom, my dad, my stepmom. Like, I'm out here handing out uh, heated vests like I'm Oprah. And you get a vest. And you get a vest. And you get a vest. So that's, that's pick number one. Here, let me send it in the group. Let me send it. Let me send it. The brand is, this is a mouthful. The brand is Aurora. Uh-oh, they need that. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope, nope, yeah. nope. It's, it's, it's like the Scooby-Doo, Rutro. Uh, so it's O R O R O Aurora. Second pick for me, it's actually I don't know if anybody has had this, but it is Gatorade Organic. Ooh. This is the the best version, best flavor of Gatorade. Gatorade Organic, and I go with the strawberry flavor. And I love it so much that I have it on Amazon subscription. So I get a couple, I get a couple cases every couple months. Uh, and then wifey, she she stocks the refrigerator. So two picks for me. Taylor, what do you have for us? All right. So for me, so I think um, I have to give a shout out to a, a podcast and I hope they listen to y'all. I doubt it, but it's kind of like, uh, kind of like culture. They're out of LA. It's called group chat. Um, so I, I've, so I basically, I'm a nerd and I listen to like recruiting for South Carolina football. So like that pretty much like is a lion's share of my listening time. But I've discovered these guys. I don't know how I found them, but group chat, there are three dudes, two of them are brothers, and they talk everything from like, you know, pop culture to tech. Um, they're, uh, you know, all of them are entrepreneurs, investors. So they talk a lot of financial stuff and NFTs and crypto. I mean, it's very broad and it's really awesome the way they do it. Their banter is really good. Honestly, I think our banter is better, but theirs are really good. Um, and so I would check that out, group chat. Um, I would say, from um probably like a i'm gonna do like a like a product um so for me i am so i i'm I'm just gonna do this right so this right here so i do a lot of content and and it's gonna be difficult if you can't watch it so it's on amazon it's basically a tiny tripod a lot of tripods for content suck this thing is like steel or like it is you can beat somebody up with this thing 
Um, I was getting tattooed in New York City uh, back in September. Ryan and I were chatting about that. And uh, my tattoo artist uses it all the time to do content for tattoos. And it's like nothing. But like, I don't know. It just like shows what humans are capable of. And I never would have thought it's possible. I, I really, I can't plus one this enough. Like go watch it. It, it is worth, is a worthwhile watch. Good pick, right? I'm, I'm a third of the way through it. So I need to, or a fourth of the way through it. So I need to, I need to finish it. But the start of it was, was amazing. I don't know if we're doing show notes, but I can send it in, in the link and y'all can share it, but it's 14 bucks. And literally, like, I stream all of my content through it on my phone. And, uh, yep, highly recommend it. So it's a little little teeny tiny tripod stand. All right. I have one pick to share with you all. Maybe an inspiration story documentary on Netflix because no one's mentioned Netflix yet. But a documentary called 14 Peaks about a, oh, that a guy, in, guy in Nepal. Yeah, like, guy in Nepal. Go, seeks to climb all the tallest uh, 14 mountains across the world. It, it's just it's so well done and just beautiful. Like just seeing these tops of these mountains, it's an inspirational story. Really cool to see someone from Nepal doing that. Like obviously they have some amazing mountains in Nepal, but just really great I, all around. I think it's, you know, just a really awesome show to watch. Uh, so maybe it'll give you some inspiration to move into the next job or role. I don't know. It'll be great. So uh, that's my pick for this episode. Wait, can, can I just like plus one that, that it, it people, if you're listening, watch this documentary. It is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Uh, he is one of the most incredible human beings I've ever seen. Like there's entire movies and series about people climbing Everest and he just goes up and it goes down it like nothing. Like it, it, I don't know. It just like shows what humans are capable of. And I never would have thought it's possible. I, I really, I can't plus one that's enough. Like go watch it. It, it is worth, is a worthwhile watch. Good pick, right? Well, I just want to say thank you so much to our amazing guests, Taylor, Jono. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can they get in touch with you? So I am, um, my, my day job is to put out a crap ton of content. So literally you can probably find me. I have the only platform I'm not on is Snapchat, um, or only fans. So not on those two. Um, but, uh, I use Twitter religiously. Um, I'm on LinkedIn a ton. I am on Instagram, YouTube. TikTok. I don't dance, but I am on TikTok. So again, basically T S and T D E S S E Y N on any platform. And then my morning show is Guidance Counselor 2.0. I'm still alive and thinking about Taylor's OnlyFans. <laughs> it's all about hiring. You'll be sorely disappointed. It's a really good one. Uh, I think. Uh... <laughs> We've lost them. We've lost them, folks. Time to wrap it up. <laughs> all right so i'm on uh i'm on linkedin all right j-o-n-o uh jono first name last name grayson g-r-a-y i'm connecting with you right now by the way dude awesome uh i'm on instagram as well i think uh same first name last name also my my podcast most of the mistakes apple music i just um, followed it apple podcast taylor appreciate you and what else i yeah i'm not on twitter i think i need to get on there mm -hmm. so linkedin instagram uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. Jim, Ryan, seriously, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. You can find us at frontendhappyhour.com. We're on Twitter at frontendhh. Jim, do you have any last words for our listeners? Join us next week where my Valley Silicon pick will be Jono's $170 fest. <laughs>